0: show my name is Matt and I am joined I was gonna say from Nashville but I'm not from Nashville I'm joined by my friend <laughs> from Nashville Sam Moses hello he's a stud stud muffin I'm a he's muffin. taken, ladies back up give the man some room a little paparazzi like little noises going on I don't know <laughs> do you paparazzi like camera noises
1: I can do that but I definitely don't have any paparazzi thank god
0: all these people in the back, are like Sam, 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 look over here, look over here, Sam, Sam, look over here. You can sample that a lot.
1: <laughs> I've never had that happen.
0: You never had that happen.
1: I've never had people tell me to look over here for a photo.
0: Well, the Attack that's and Release show is not that large of a podcast to where like you just can't like eat dinner without people interrupting you.
1: Not yet. Not yet. No.
0: One I can, day. I can Moses still... Mastering is not the mega empire. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Enjoy it while it lasts, Sam. It's a it's a micro be a household name. A micro empire. Okay. <laughs> All right. A so micro. Today. Yes. I think this is like our first official gear review. I guess like the last time we ever reviewed something was Sonar Works. I think it was like episode 29. Well, we did. And that uh, turned out kind of weird. The Lynx Hilo episode. Oh, Thank did we? You. Yeah. That was did great. Did we? That, yeah, that
1: was pretty great. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Had a good time myself, so.
0: <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> anyway, if you're ready to have a good time again, we are reviewing today the manly massive passive. Massive. And the crowd goes wild. Massive. It's Massive. Are you going to make like a really deep voice there, like Andre the Giant? I just did it myself, you know. Uh-oh. Massive! <laughs> Holy crap. All right, then. <laughs> anyway, before we get into this massive episode, Sounds like here's a Sam with some housekeeping.
1: <laughs> housekeeping. Massive housekeeping. All right. My dearest listeners, thank you so much for tuning into another show. Thank you for tuning into Housekeeping. Man, my heart is so full from all the nice people who have been sharing the podcast lately. Really feel like we're got some massive momentum going. Y'all are not being passive at all. <laughs> Did it. Um, wah, wah, so wah, wah. once again if you could screenshot this episode or one you've been listening to that you really dig post it on Instagram tag for the record mastering tag Moses mastering we will then repost your post we will cross market we will share your account with our followers vice versa and then you get to meet new people you get new followers probably new clients and everybody wins win 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 and that is great and that is housekeeping. Love ya. Bye. Yay.
0: <laughs> anyway, massive. Are you going to keep on saying that throughout the whole episode? It's massive. Massive.
1: Have you uh, seen my massive passive?
0: You can hardly miss it. <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> not very good. Continue. I would say <laughs> repeating something from like the the hour that Sam and I were chatting before this. <laughs> our biggest fear of this episode is that Ivana Manley is going to listen to it and just like send us like a whole thing of like like a video of her watching it just like, nope, that's wrong. reaction video. Nope, that's wrong. It's a nightmare. Nope, that's wrong. Nope, that's wrong. So we do not pretend to be experts on this. Not at all.
1: Massive creation. Give us grace, please. We're will Smith misspeak spoke. We're gonna misspeak. What? what? And we're gonna miss. I think that's
0: where Will Smith speaks. <laughs> so obviously we're twisting or we're or tongue-tied today. This is a very big, massive episode to tackle. So if we get something wrong, give us some grace, please. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Sam, what is the massive passive? The
1: massive passive. I want to start this episode with a quote from the manual about the massive passive, which is an equalizer. The quote is, the first, last, and only real rule about EQ, the massive passive, is, if it sounds good, do it. Feel free to experiment, enjoy, and please let us know what adventures you are having with the massive passive. And that, to me, is how I would describe what the massive passive is. It is an adventure of EQ mm. that, if it sounds good, do it. Because this piece of gear is unlike any other EQ out there. It's Throw a- out what you know about EQs. <laughs> yeah. This one is a passive EQ, which means it uses passive filters. So it's like a big sculpting type of gear, EQ. (laughs) And it sculpts via filters. And it's a two-channel, as most people probably know. And it has four bands. It's a four-band design. And then it has five high-pass filters and four low-pass filters. And you can bypass them all frequencies on those
0: filters. That'd be kind of (laughs) excessive. (laughs) Yes. You can run this thing in Atmos pretty much on the filters. Pretty much on the filters. Yeah, on the filters.
1: And it's just a tone shaping and sculpting beast. There's nothing like it. It has very unique curves and. What I've learned about the massive passive is that it's really hard to make sound bad, number one. Number two, you will be boosting things that you normally would not boost, I have found. So like certain frequencies that people usually stay away from, I find myself boosting. Such as like 560, which is usually like a boxy type of sound that's kind of honky but on the Massive Passive, it's like this beautiful mid, low, mid kind of bloom sound that makes records just fill out the speakers. On every other EQ I have, and even in the box, the 560 does not sound great. But on the Massive boosting Passive,
0: boosting 560 on any other EQ is the equivalent of like. Putting a shoebox. your finger on in the back of your mouth and like poking the uvula <laughs> till you gag. Wow, that's the equivalent of boosting five sixty on any other EQ. Yes, but on it, the massive. But passive, like on this thing, yes, it's just like it's opening up a, another dimension of low mid goodness. Yes, so can't explain it.
1: I could talk a lot about it, but I don't want to just like ramble off twenty minutes of facts about it. I wanna try and dialogue a bit, I think. So, Matt, uh-huh. I'm gonna hand it off to you. What do you think about the massive passive? What is the massive <clears throat> passive
0: to you? Um so I, I guess uh I guess a, a quick background. Um Sam has Oh yeah, uh Sam has the silver face. Yes, I don't know what year the silver face was introduced. I, I honestly don't know why <laughs> there's like the purple, the silver. Then there's like a gold version of it, yes, which is pretty sweet. Um, I just have uh, kind of like a mid two thousands, um, mastering version of the massive passive. Sam's like the silver face is like all swept pots, um, and yeah, mine's all of my stuff's like really like Annoying to have serviced. In all honesty, like even my very mute, because like none of the serial numbers like sequentially match up with any of the things on their website. Of like, yeah, just buy this tube kit. Like I always have to write it and be like, all right, what tubes are these again? And then I end up just like sending it in, being like, all right, whatever. And then, uh, yeah. In all honesty, that's the only annoying thing about it. Besides that, it's pretty darn lovely. Um. So my hot take on the Massive Passive, um, I would say that it is a mid-machine is what I've been, I guess I'm like quoting myself on things that I've said about this. (laughs) Um, People love it for its bottom end and even like the top end is just like a really nice shiny sheen. I normally won't use the top end of the massive passive. I really want to like boost top end. I normally don't want to like add color there. Um, I normally just kind of want... And like like you're doing a little bit more than just like boosting when you do stuff with the massive passive. Something else harmonically and like angelic-wise is happening. And it doesn't suit everything. So, I'll say that this episode, like, as much as it's going to be like a love fest for the massive passive and complete candor, we should probably enter into some like pros and cons of the massive passive of like, it is good, but it's not like perfect for everything. You could probably use it on everything, but that doesn't mean that it's like the best tool for everything. Um, So, yeah. What is the massive passive? I don't know. Like, I, it's literally a, to me, it's a powerful tool that if you need to add a little bit of sweetness to something, if like the vocalist is just like a little too far down and like, I down in the mix, but like kind of like in the low mid section. It's like, man, I want more depth out of this because you'll have like some mix engineers that'll really just kind of boost the, I don't know, like their normal your normal vocal range, like anywhere like let's call it like two k to like three, maybe into like four ish. I don't go that high with vocals. Uh, like vocal range to me is honestly like one point seven to like two point four if I'm making an adjustment. I'm just looking at my my maselik. Because mm-hmm. that's if I make a big vocal adjustment, that's where that's gonna happen um but it's like not a lot of e q s are good at like bringing out that like meat of the vocal mm-hmm. that really makes it sound like that person is like singing right in front of you, and I mean, I don't know why, but like the like the 820 band at like I don't ever like do shallow cues. Everything's as wide as it goes. But just like 820 as wide as that bell goes and just give it like like a few clicks and it's just like holy holy crap. This is like exactly what I needed and this person's vocal is now like cuz like per, people's vocals don't just have like top end to them. It's like they have the whole daggum range. And so it's like oh this person's now right here. And I love that about that. You can just make up for so much that might otherwise be lost. I think low-end, if it's lost, it's lost. And if it's lost, it's lost. And I don't think you're going to find something if it's lost. And so you're going to have to get a little more creative. But if it's, like, not lost but it's down, you can be like, all right, cool. Let's go to, like, 66. Or, like, if it's somebody who doesn't use a sub, you're like, okay, you're probably more in, like, the... Like the hundred hertz range and such as a boop, and then you just do 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 do, and then it's like, hey, there's low end, and it's really nice, and it's like it's nice and colorful, and if you need that, then that's what that is fantastic for, in my opinion. So, anywho, um, do you want to talk about like where you use it, where you don't, um, how you use it, and then like pros and cons, and like I say all this as like. A dialogue of you handing mm-hmm. like the conversation back to me in a civil like yes. manner and then I hand it back to you. Yes. And we act like we're friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can
1: definitely attempt that. Oh great. You can attempt. Wonderful. Always Fantastic. Down to it, always down to try it out, you know?
0: All right. <laughs> I'm always up for new things. <laughs> oh, let's
1: try. All yeah. right.
0: So where do you use it and where do <clears throat> you not use it? I use
1: it on, well, I use it after my first stage of limiting, which see past episodes on how I work. Um, So it's usually the main EQ I will use to add uh, life, depth, density to something. Um, As opposed to like the solid state pull decks I have, which are a bit more um, edgy and aggressive and kind of sterile is the wrong word, Not and small is the wrong word. They're just cleaner. Um, the mass passive to me adds a lot of color, even though the manual doesn't necessarily say that. Um, I find that it does color the signal. Um, I've even read some people don't like the way it sounds, even just engaged because of how coloring it is and can be um, without even having the EQs on or engaged. But I really like the sound of it. Um, I use it on pop. (laughs) I use it on country, CCM. Um, Anything kind of top 40 sounding. I don't use it a ton on heavy, low, like 808 type stuff or rap stuff, because I find that one of the things that's great about the mass Passive is it kind of, like, is a bit sluggish and forgiving to me. It's like gooey. Hmm. And so it can be a love-hate thing where it can really save... Nine times out of ten, it'll make something better. but Or maybe eight times out of ten. And then two times out of ten, 20% of the time, it'll make something worse because something is really clean and quick transient. And I find that the bottom end can get smeared... Or kind of the the whole thing kind of gets just larger and not... Uh, it's just not what the song needs, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll use it on most things. Most things I will audition the Mass Passive and see how it's sounding. Um, and most of the time, it makes records sound better. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's like... It's a parallel design EQ instead of a series design, and most EQs are series design, and I'm just going to read it from the manual real quick instead of me regurgitating, because it says a series EQ design, which are most EQs, if you set three bands to boost the same frequency, 15 dB each, the total boost will be band one plus band two plus band three, so it's 45 dB total but then it usually is distorting in rather an ugly way, and I'm assuming because you you lack headroom. The massive passive, you can dial in the four bands to boost 20 dB near the same frequency, and it will only boost 20 dB total because it's parallel design, not like addition design basically in series. So for me, that the fact that it's a parallel design I think really allows you to um, sculpt things better Without it just becoming this compound, aka in series type EQ, where you can, I mean, Matt and I have talked about before, like you sometimes feel like you can remix the song um, with a massive passive. And I think it's because of the parallel design of the EQ, in that you can essentially address 1K on one band and then address like around 1K again on a different band. And that band doesn't feel like it's really interacting with the other band still. So you can kind of like address the same spot or area multiple ways with multiple different basically shapes and really pull and push certain elements of a song, um, like vocal, like pop the vocal out or, you know, tuck the bass in or pull the bass out or make something sound, you know, like the snare crack more or something. Like you can really surgically do that with the massive passive. Um, And I think that's because of the parallel design, which makes it a bit unique. So that's kind of, you know, when I need to adjust something specifically, if I'm like, ooh, I need more vocal, I'll use it. If I'm like, ooh, I need more guitars, I'll use it. If I'm like, oh, I need to tuck away some bass, I'll use it. There's things I don't usually cut, but the massive passive filters... And their cutting section is amazing to me. It's one of the best non-destructive things where it feels like you can kind of adjust individual elements. So it's pretty versatile, and that's kind of when I use it. I mean, I use it on almost all the records um, because it just has this iconic sound that so many people like um, and so many hit records have on it. And it's not um, you know you can if for those listening, if you don't own the hardware unit, there's a lot of emulations out there. I think Matt would agree with me that actually the native instruments soft to, or a native instruments mm. model of the massive passive um, is actually I'm going to say for in my opinion, it's the best emulation of the massive passive out there.. Hmm. Um, I think it beats all the other emulations. Um, it's really strange that that's Native Instrument has it, but they have... To me, when I, I have A-B'd the plugin against my silver face, it sounds very similar. Um, I've even used the massive passive out of the box, and then if I wanted another massive passive, I'd use that plugin in the box coming back in if there was still some EQ stuff I wanted to boost. Um... You know, I've used that before. So it's pretty freaking sweet. And that's normally how I use it.
0: Matt. When? How? So when, I would. How, what? So I have read in several cases. And so I'd. I've never looked into this specifically but it's like I feel like we both like combed through a lot of stuff online in order to to put this episode together. Yeah. And I have read but I have not noticed and it's just I'm not really paying attention in this way. It's like I just dial it in by ear and whatever I think sounds good is what I go with and it's never like oh are these bands doing this? Oh my. <laughs> it's never It's never like that. But what I did read is that the mastering version of the massive passive, um, the bands are are the opposite of the mixing version. And if I am wrong, someone please chime in and let me know. But I've read this in several cases that where if you... For instance, if you have, like, two 1K shelves, where I don't think 1K appears in the same spot. You have, like, 1.2 in the middle band, and you have one on the uh, on the third band. Mm-hmm. And if you do, like, a 5 dB boost, um, let's just say, like, a bell, we won't do shelves. Like, you're only in that center point, you're only going to have 5 dB. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the mastering version, that is not the case. Ooh. You would have a 10-decibel boost. Ooh. And so that's kind of what I've read. And so like a lot of my research is, hey, what is different about the mastering version as opposed to the mixed version? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big one that I didn't know. And once again, I'm not going through and being like, oh, my stars, would you look at this, what this does? And it's like, that's not like really what I'm into. It's just like, yeah, this sounds good. This is how we're going to move forward. And that's that. So um, where I use it, um, I'm a pretty big indie person. And so it gets a heavy amount of indie use whether it's rock, whether it's singer-songwriter, whether it's like some type of country. Um I don't really I don't really do a lot of like top 40 stuff. I don't know why, just not really uh not really my jam, but um um I actually don't use it like I guess kind of talking on that and like more of the pop realm. I don't use it on a lot of pop um mainly because it's like all the harmonics and saturation and stuff that I'm receiving on pop stuff it's kind of already there. And a lot of the pop mixes that I get are always like so good and so close that it's just kind of like, hey, how can we kind of take this to like the final level where it needs to be really without like messing up what's going on with the mix? Is anytime that like I've really messed with a pop mix, I've always gotten revisions. Like this is a while ago. Like I'd be getting revisions about like like when you kind of read in between the lines, it's pretty much saying, hey, we kind of want this closer to the mix. And so I just that's really how I proceed with a lot of pop stuff that's not really offensive in other areas. Like, don't get me wrong, you might have some like like you might have some like weird low-end stuff that like someone in the other studio is just not hearing. And I mean, that's fine. That's a quick notch or something like that. Um on another EQ, I actually something with like a like a means of use and this goes for sam as well um this is a for me a boost only machine i don't think i've ever uh downwards like attenuated this like like anything with the massive passive it is for me a boost only machine mm-hmm. and like like even on like the gain staging side of it it just I don't know. I guess I can say, like, yeah, I've used the high and the low pass before. I don't use them a lot, so I guess that's, like, like you're cutting off stuff. But it's, like, I'm talking about, like, in the actual, like, bands, the frequency bands. I've never removed information. I have other things for that. And, yeah, just not necessarily really how I proceed. Um, but, yeah, just really on a lot of indie stuff. Uh, if I get anything that's, like, hip-hop or whatnot... Um, I don't really think it benefits all that much. However, kind of like like a side of hip hop, like if you get into like like R and B, holy shit, that stuff <laughs> loves like some harmonic goodness and whatnot and that and you get the very Mew. And so it's just like this like kind of like gluey, gooey, like tubey, like gorgeousness that like R and B loves. Um but yeah, it really just pops, like the only thing, like stuff that's just super clean, I really just kind of stay away from. Um, some interesting note, though, um, and I haven't been on Manley's website, in all honesty, until, or like, I guess since they brought out the, the new massive passive with the power supply mm-hmm. that's swapped around. And something interesting, an interesting note that I think should be mentioned early on in this episode is, blah, blah, blah. At the very bottom of their page, the best advice is... Oh, is that really the best advice? (laughs) Uh, Okay. It kind of like starts in the middle of a sentence, kind of a weird written sentence. The best advice is before you decide, which in my guess is they're talking about between a mastering version or a regular version, um, about whether to go with a normal or mastering version is to use the regular massive passive for a session or two in your room. We have seen in the past that the only engineers who asked about a mastering version had yet to try the massive passive of the regular version. They just say the massive. So kind of Mm -hmm. like, all right, which one we talk about? Using your previous extensive and extensive instant... intensive and extensive experience with other EQs may be a mistake, especially if you expect the massive passive to be roughly similar to them. It is not. Please try this first, then decide. So that kind of gets onto my whole thing. Do I recommend the, ma- the the mastering version of the massive passive? And I don't know <laughs> because I think from like what I've seen, <clears throat> Everyone I've seen who has tried the mixing and the mastering version, they always sell the mastering version. Mm-hmm. And every mastering engineer I know, I'll have to go back through like a lot of my like friends' little Instagram things, see what they have. But just about everybody I know falls back on the mixing version, yeah, and they all think they're missing out with because they don't have the mastering version, and I don't really think it's that necessary) <laughs> Um I think it becomes a little more necessary say like on the very mm Mhm. Um but is the recallability on the mastering version of the EQ is it actually better? Um and so like one of the only other like re- like differences that I can really take off of the like at least on like face value the mastering version is that it has these like little detents. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like this uh like spring and cup and like little like ball bearings that essentially this, from what I can tell, this little cup jumps over and those are your detents. Well, every time I've ever sent this out to be serviced, like the zero detent is always like not at zero. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, well, this just took like something that's like a kind of cool concept because it's like, it's essentially a stepped switch, but because you put little ball bearings that like the switch jumps over you've created detent. So it's a really clever way to create a detented switch. But every, like I said, every time I receive this back, the detent isn't always at like where they call zero. Now when you measure it, it's pretty close, but just as far as like workflow goes, you like, you just kind of like measure it and you're like, okay, well, I just want to make sure left to right, like it's not the exact same starting position. So that can get kind of a little bit weird. Um, it doesn't really affect workflow. It affects kind of like, okay, how do I take my notes? And so just as far as like how I use it, it's kind of a little, it, 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 it's gotten a touch vague to where it's like, maybe I, because it's like, is this a complication that really needs to be there? Because if I just got a regular mixing version of it, then I wouldn't have to worry about this issue. I would just probably set it to like one of these little dash Amounts and then just count up how many dashes mm-hmm. that is, and then just write that down in my notes i 'm assuming that 's what you do <laughs> that 's exactly what i do and so like the like as far as like the gain on the mastering just goes to eleven where yours i think goes to twenty mm-hmm. which i 've never used even close to like a quarter no I've, I've used, uh, i 've used i don 't think i 've ever used half of the value but i do i mean i 'm normally like two or two or three maybe four clicks um <clears throat> But that little complication kind of makes it be like, man, is the mastering version actually worth it? So I don't know. And then you and I were talking about like some of the different tube differences and stuff like that. and So I guess we're kind of getting into pros and cons now.
1: Yeah, and I want to touch on the tube thing because I feel like it's something that... People have debated what is the difference between basically the silver and the purple and the mastering, and the gold. And what I gathered from my research, and so I could be wrong, is I was able to gather up the manuals from all the different versions via internet, and I compared the guts section, which is page 17 of all the manuals. It's called the guts. And (laughs) in the guts, you can see the differences between the years of Massive Passives. So, from what I gathered, and this could be wrong, is it was like from 98-ish to 2004, the silver and the purple were being made and the mastering version. Then from 2004 to 2020, it was just the purple regular one, the gold, the mastering version, and then they made the rainbow version, I think in 2020. But Mm -hmm. in 2020 and beyond, they changed it to that new uh, manly power module and added the ground lift with it as well to clean it up a bit. But a lot of people ask, and I asked for many years, and I found this uh, out when I bought it, is like what's the is there a difference between the silver and the the purple one and mm-hmm. really the only thing i could find in the guts is the tube lineup is different so the silver has 64 14s um and 57 51s as the gain tube and then post 2004 you were able to use 5414s, 12 BH7s, swap them in and out. And then for the um, gain tube, 5751s and 12 AX7s. And then within that, the mastering version, and this is in the manual, so I'm just reading the manual of the mastering version. The gain tube on the mastering version is a 12 AU7 where the gain tube on the regular version so the purple one is a 5751 which is the same as the silver. So there is some different um also in the 2014 one or 2004 there was an AC volt change added which let me be honest I don't know what that is but it's something well it was moved it was moved in where it's placed um according to the manual. So there are some differences because over the years and discussions with people, some people have said, oh, I I used this one silver one at this studio and it was amazing. Then I bought one and the purple one and it sounds totally different. Or I bought the this one and it sounded totally different. And I think there's a lot. Um, tubes make a really big difference. Um, now I have read that supposedly these changes sonically are not that big of a deal. But I would say I notice a difference. Um, I have used a mastering version. And just because of the layout of Matt was explaining, they're definitely going to sound different to begin with. But anybody who's used tubes before, too, even the brand of tubes um, with Uh even even the same model, um, you you can buy three different... Twelve AX sevens, and they all sound different from different companies. Um, all compatible, but all sound different. So there's definitely a difference between like what I have, the silver and the newer ones. Um, you know, I really like the one I have. I think the one I have is special, <laughs> but you know, I'm just biased towards it. I think it sounds fabulous. And um, here's a weird here's a weird thing. I have never changed the tubes in mine, and it is Hmm. almost five. I've I've used it for almost five years, and it has Hmm. the tubes are. You're gonna jinx it, buddy. That's fine. Like fine, but like I have not replaced them. They have not gone out. They don't. They. I send test tones through them. You know to calibrate, make sure everything's still going correctly. Like every week. Used to do every day, but I'm a little less anal about that because usually I can hear if it's really different. But yeah, it's um, it's been like f- my the one I have, which I bought from some guy on Reverb who was the original owner. I think mine is a is a two thousand. It was built in two thousand. Um, it's just been like a tank, and I've had no issues at all. Mm-hmm. So. But those are just some of the differences between the models. Once again, I was reading from the manual. I've never seen anyone compile all the manuals like I did. Um, So I could actually, if you're listening, I'd be happy to send you the PDF I put together of the guts comparison, (laughs) if you're curious. Because there's nowhere else online I found anyone being able to lay out the actual differences. There's a lot of hearsay talk, and then there's a lot of people who are just like, there's no difference at all. There's definitely a difference. <laughs> it's like, well, it's someone go look. Right. So there is a difference. <clears throat> um, if you're curious about that, I can send you the PDF. DM me on Instagram, most Mastery, and I'll send you the PDF. It's just a page of the three guts <laughs> comparison with the years mm. buying. So, um, so I want to bring that up because I think that's important um, in part of the sound. And if you're thinking about buying a massive passive, know that there is a difference between the models. And they could all sound drastically different depending on which one you buy. Um, I would suggest I mean you wouldn't
0: know. Yeah.
1: In theory you wouldn't know, but
0: I would suggest. I mean you'll never know unless you like have two of them like hanging right. out Right.
1: I was just gonna but. say if you find one that you love using in a studio or something, ideally you'd pop the top grill off and see what's in it. <laughs> so you could put the same two brands and whatnot into yours if you bought one. Because um, I know that for a lot of people, th- that's what I'm saying, is like someone, if you buy one used, you could have who knows what tubes are in there um, compared to the one you used that you fell in love with. So, Or like how
0: old they are. Yeah, like, yeah. They like too. just switched them out. It's like you might want to burn them in for right, a little bit. exactly. Cause it's like you ever play like a guitar, like a tube amp mm-hmm. on a gu- like like with a guitar that it's like the tubes aren't broken in and it's like super like sharp and kind right. of like this isn't pleasant. Right. It's like, let those tubes burn in for a hot minute and not a hot minute, like significant amount of time and everything. Oh, and it's like, also it's like super variable too. Right. Of like, like letting everything kind of like gel for a little bit. It's like, you ever turn on one of those like fluorescent lights and they're like super, like, I don't know, kind of weird. Yeah, and they know, like, like, like a, yeah, and it's <laughs> like, but like after like a little while, they kind of like chill out and right. like stabilize. It's like you're dealing with like a mechanical thing. You're like throwing like <laughs> electrons across like like little tube grids and stuff and so it's Yeah, you got to let, let stuff kind of find its natural like symbiosis, symbiosis whatever that's called. So Do you have any like tips or tricks or secrets <laughs> with the massive passive that you would like to share?
1: I mean, Moses mastering isms always be boosting. Um, I mean, my favorite go-to frequencies: forty-seven on like the low band, five sixty mm-hmm. on the one next to it. Uh, let me see here: sh- shelving, shelving, or oh, bell. Sh- shelving. Always shelving on everything.
0: Really? You're always shelving?
1: I'm always shelving. I shelve everything. Dang. Always. Never not shelving. Always wide band as well. Bandwidth fully to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, No filters usually overall for most songs. If I'm doing a, like an old school lo-fi thing, I will filter out bottom and top to make it sound very tight and old school. Um. One one k is amazing. Sixteen k. Let me look here real quick. What is that? Yeah, sixteen k. Twelve k, sixteen k, twenty seven k on the far right band. Uh great place to start is like up three on all of them, boosting all three. As far as the gain so those, three little lines. Yeah, three little lines. <laughs>
0: if you have the swept version.
1: Yeah. Um I mean those are where I start. Like I'll usually start with 47 560 1k
0: 16k. I guess yeah, my detents land on the lines. Yeah, with all shelves.
1: I don't I mean that's where I start. Like on every song I'll just pop that in. I have like Sam's default preset <laughs> on the hardware. It just sits there and then I'll move it from there, you know. It doesn't always work, but those frequencies with all shelves seem to add life to to everything um mm-hmm. I do so that's kind of my my go to start preset if they ever made a preset for Sam, that would be it of of sam's uh is it louder or is it better <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, outside of that, like it's really I found a lot of luck in. In using a filter, um, like if I use the like low pass filtering, I was trying to see the numbers. I can't from where I'm laid. I'm laid back, chilling here. Um, <laughs> if you want to have We're working, like, Sam, yeah. If you want to like really have nice top end without it being like too hyped, you can engage a, a low pass filter and then crank, you know, 27K up a ton into, like, an 18K filter. And it creates kind of, like, a much better, cleaner top-end air to me. And that's something I find... I think a lot of people don't use filtering in general. They don't understand. They think it's, like, dumb or not important. But so much... Of so many of the records, especially like with vinyl and stuff, the way it's cut, you know, they have like filters on them when vinyl is cut. And a lot of the records we like have like kind of hard chops or, you know, on the low end and the top end. But they have like Mm -hmm. resonant peaks right before that, which is very kind of like (coughs) pull Uh techy. And we like that sound a lot, um, I would say. And so you can kind of recreate that with the massive passive. So that's kind of, I call it like my, my vinyl setting is kind of my thought of how it sounds. Like vinyl has this very um, bright and airy top end to me, but it's never harsh. And it actually doesn't really extend to me past like 18K. Um, it's a contrasty thing that's going on. And I think the massive passive, that would be like one of the magic things it can do is you can contrast and draw attention to a certain frequency or kind of curve by using the filters, low-pass, high-pass, in, in, uh, I want to say conjection. That's not the word at all. Um, you can use those filters to help shape with the, the bandwidth or with the... Um, with the bands. Sorry. I made a mess of that. Basically, use your filters with the EQ bands <laughs> to create magic. End of sentence. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I... I mean, I would just go back to like how I started. was If it sounds good, do it. And that if you want to learn something in general, just read the Massive Passive Manual. Matt and I were kind of talking about that before. Of like... There are tips in there about how to approach music that should be in like a book, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there are things that are written in that manual. It's like 20-some pages or 33 pages or something that um, like will help you make better records even if you don't own a massive passive because the explanations of what series design and parallel design and passive design and EQ and how to use it and filtering uh there's things in that manual that each time i've read it i'm like I literally did not know that about how to approach e q or how people think about e q or how people used to think about eq So check that out. um But yeah, those are kind of my tricks. like I have like the standard spot that I start from, always love the shelving, always love boosting, rarely filtering. I also don't mess with the gains. I keep the gain at zero. Hmm. Um, I never crank up or down. Never. I've never ever ever.
0: ever, I feel ever, like ever. cranking down, <laughs> you lose like character. It's not just like volume, but yeah. it's like there's a character loss.
1: Yeah, I literally have never ever 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 made a record in the last five years with this thing where the gain has not been on zero. Mm-hmm. So that's probably part of my sound. <laughs> So anyway, um, hand off to you. you. Got any secrets, tips?
0: I have secrets. Also, <laughs> I have secrets. If you have, you have this, or you're thinking about getting it. Just know that there's a like if you look at like the block diagram for the signal flow on the manuals. Um, like when you switch from boost to cut, you're hitting. Um, like, gain staging differently. And so, like, the boosting happens, as it would look like on this, it happens before any of the filtering happens. And then you have boost, filters, tube gain, and then your cutting happens. And so, it looks like if you are doing any type of, atten- like, downwards attenuation, then your tube gain is going to happen before you're cutting, And also your filters, but your boosting looks like it's going to happen, like all like pretty much like as right around as soon as you come in, just about. And then your gain adjustments actually on the out. So take a look at your manuals and your signal flow because it's all like pretty interesting on how all that works. I don't really do any cutting, so I'm not really too worried about that. What do I do with this? Um, If I do anything in the low end. Forty seven's always a bit too low for me. I'm kind of turning my mic stand so I can see around to these mm-hmm. fancy-looking numbers. 47 is <laughs> um, always a bit low for me. The 68 I like a lot, and 100 is if like I know that there's some low end, but like sixty's too low for it. And so that's like your clients who aren't mixing with a sub and who may not be able to reference low end the best. So that's where I use that also. I find shelves kind of, at least for me, um, on the low band, they kind of muddy some stuff up. And kind of running my my little guy here through Plugin Doctor um, on the hardware settings. um, There's like a lot of like boosting that happens in the low, 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 low end, even when like you're not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so like there's like a curve that is present, and I don't really want to like uh, like. I don't want that shelved up as well, so and I'm talking like into the infrasonic range just because like by the order of harmonics, it's like if it's like doing like i don't know if it's got like a well like this is like a crazy thing like a ten d b boost at like ten hertz, well, that's a five d b boost at twenty. And a two point five boost at forty, and so like it all and then and then it's like that's before you do anything, and so I don't know if that's an actual figure. I'd have to go in and look at it. It's not honestly that crazy, but it's like just kind of like boosting into that with a shelf. It's just like that's gonna go like just down. It's like well, without like a filter on it, like oh, that might get a little hairy, so I generally will stick to bells there, and then on the low mid, I'll also stick to bells um. In all honesty, I really love the whole gambit. Um, I don't think I don't use it a lot, but two seventy is really tasty. Um, Whatever that one in the threes is, three ninety, and then I think five sixty is like the one at dead noon. I like that one. That one I normally will like have a mental fight between that and eight (laughs) twenty. A bell at eight twenty really just brings out some nice like vocal meat. Um, but like if I don't need that, and like there's like some extra foundation that could be happening in the the mix, I'll uh, <clears throat> I'll boost in the five hundreds if the eight hundreds not necessary. And I mean I'm a sucker for a one k shelf with this um, on the third band. Mm-hmm. Um, that third band pretty much is always going to be set to one k. Uh, how much I don't know and like it, it made like I may not even use these bands on, on certain um, on certain material it's just like kind of like my go to and then it's like okay well let's just kind of see where we're at as far as like the last band I honestly don't do much with it because and this is going to be one of those examples of like I say this and then as soon as it <laughs> airs like the next however many weeks I'm doing everything with it so but normally if I want any like um If I want any boosting in the top end, I'll do it on the Masalik because the Masalik on my Manly Backbone is set to channel 2, which 2 and 3 can pop into MS mode. And so if I'm going to do anything on the top end, I kind of want that to be separated, so it's like I might get some stereo goodness there, or maybe I just want to put that sparkle on the sides and not on the mid. And so normally on like the mass, like I'll do that like somewhere between like nine point seven k and fourteen, and I really like that. Um, and that is that is a shelf. Um, I've never, I don't know, I've, I don't know. I'm, the top end on the massive passive is fantastic. There's no doubt about it. I just I just normally find some tunage elsewhere. Um, let's see. I'm normally always at an output of 0.5, and filters, unless something's like too crazy in the low end or too sizzly up top, the filters are generally off. Um, There was a while, I just haven't gone back in to do it. There was a while where I went in, have I done it? No, no, it's not set up like this right now. There was a while where I went in and the, uh, the input like attenuation, um, I would dial it up by 0.5. Mm-hmm. So I could just... Um, and so the reason for that is um, if you're going through the unit, I believe... And once again, Ivana Manley, please correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I wrote this down to what I think it is. I need to look it up in the manual. I think you're only hitting the input amp and the output transformers and so you're not actually hitting any tubes but you are getting like a little bit of cool vibe and so even if I didn't want to do anything with the massive pass but just have it on um, I used to just like insert it and then you just get like 0.5 dB into wherever you wanted to go next so just like a little bit of gain staging and if I didn't want it I could always crank it down but I never really liked how like I never really liked subtracting gain from the massive passive. It just, like, thrives on, like, more juice. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, little tiny things that I've done with it. Um, I might go back and do that, but also know, like, when you start screwing and stuff like that, like, tubes over time, like, will drift. They are, like, relatively, like, so long as they've been on a while, they've been able to heat up and do everything. They are pretty, like solid in, like, holding, um, like, values and, like, how they pass signal and, like, how locked onto one another they are. Um, but you can get some drift and whenever you kind of, like, open up and, like, screw around with stuff, if you don't know what you're doing, to where I only know enough to, like, severely screw it up so that <laughs> I won't be able to use it in my next session. <laughs> so I generally will not... Uh, toy in gear anymore I'll just ask a professional so in the last remaining moments mm. um, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this one would you ever sell no and two what is your honest review and should you buy like to the audience. One, I would never sell.
1: Two... Is it a desert island piece? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Cool. cool. Two, two, buy one. 100%. Save up the money, buy it. You can always sell it if you don't like it. Probably for more than you bought it for. Um, yeah. That's Especially what I would today. do. Yeah. But I would say, I was telling some mastering guys this this past week that I was talking to you about the mass passive was that and I'll keep this brief try to i i have a sound like my mastering stuff has a sound and a lot of that sound has to do with my gear and a lot of people say no it's not the gear it's the ears blah blah it is part of the ears it's also the gear if you took away some of my gear there's a lot of records that would not sound to me, in my opinion, because I would know the difference as good as just being in the box. Because i may beat it. Will the consumer know the difference? I don't know. That's not their job. I think it's our job to know the difference and know how to best serve the record to get the most potential out of it. The massive passive allows me to do that. It has paid for itself. It has saved me time. It has saved my butt. It has saved clients' butts when they're like, can you try and bring out the guitars, the lead guitar on the left? And I'm like, No problem. 1K on the left channel. Oh, boop, there it is. Curve that, you know, did it. There are so many times where this piece of gear has saved my butt, and it is better than the plugin. It's better than all the emulations. I promise you that. It is worth the money. Just save up. You deserve it. You deserve to experience the massive passive. You deserve to experience a piece of gear that has been used on like Almost every record you probably love or at least one or two of the records you love hit records, so many hit records have been ran through a massive passive. So that should mean something to you if you're trying to be a professional and compete commercially. They are still used everywhere. They are still, they're even more expensive now than ever. (laughs) Like, it's only going to keep going up in price. Um, There's a reason why they still make them. And they've been making them since like the early 90s. Maybe even earlier. I don't know when the first one was. There's probably some sweet beta versions out there they own. Anyway, would never sell it. Especially not the silver face one, because I think it's magical. Um, Highly recommend buying one. I would buy it again and again and again. End of story.
0: What about you, Matt? All right. (laughs) Um, I, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> my response would be 100% buy one. Um, I don't think there's ever a bad time to buy a massive passive. Um, and people like look at gear, like fin- like with weird financially, like financial like goggles. And it's like, while you should, it's like, you're looking at it as like buying a shirt <laughs> or buying like a $6,000 pair of jeans. That's gonna like wear out and stuff like that. Like, you're not looking at this like a business decision, and I feel like that's where a lot of people kind of go go astray because it's like I have like a like, like a friend who in him town, and him and I will just kind of like joke back and forth, be like, "Dude, you should buy this board," and he's like, "Oh, it's a lot of money," and I'm like, "Not really, it's just like a company car." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, it's not really that expensive," I said. Except this company car doesn't depreciate. And it's gonna make you money. Like not like Uber or Lyft money or like DoorDash money. This is like like real like moolah, and it's gonna make you sound better. Um so I would say the massive my massive passive legit paid for itself within like a few months. Yeah, I agree. And so it's not like you're gonna get this and it's like, well, I guess I'll wear these on Tuesday. It's like, no, you can use this on just about everything. Um do I think it's the first piece of gear you should buy? I mean, I don't think it'd be a bad buy. People would be like, no, you need something more transparent. But it's like, but really, I mean, this is pretty... If you want transparent and you're like, only oh, I got a few pieces of gear and you got to make everything matter, make every purchase matter, I don't think you're going to buy a massive passive and be like, oh, boo-hoo. Right. It's not transparent. It's like, if you want transparent, you can do that in the box. So I don't think there's anything wrong with hopping into a massive passive early. Would I sell, little oh boy? <laughs> I want like after kind of reading that stuff uh, on a, uh, about like the differences between the mixing and the mastering version. I kind of want to try the brand new, um, the brand new mixing versions with the new power supply. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to try that. I've also always wanted to try uh, that company NIF or knife. I've always wanted to try the Soma. Yeah, and I feel like if I were to sell mine, I would regret it. But I feel like it's a mistake that I have to make. <laughs> so if y'all ever see me hop into a Soma and then immediately sell it, just know just know it's my journey, and I and I gotta walk it alone. <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I do want to see, like, okay, yeah, what is the mixing version about since it's a little bit different than mine? And, I don't know, the, the, whole, like, the whole, like, detent on the pot thing, like, not being, like, completely good. And, yeah, could I go in and adjust it? Yeah, but I'm not that smart to adjust it to, like, the perfect zero. And not saying it ever will be the perfect zero, but, I don't know. That's just me. Will I sell? I don't know. Stay tuned. Anywho, we got to hop out of here. I'm going over my list making sure I got everything. Okay, I think we got everything. But yeah, we got to hop out of here. Do you have anything for the people, Sam? Uh, no. I'm good to go. Perfect. Review over. You should buy one. I don't think you'll regret it. I actually think you'll fall in love with it. And, yeah, case closed. So, If you're hearing a sweet beat in the background, it may have been run through Sam's Silverface Massive Passive. Who really knows? Could have just had that (laughs) little, uh, what is it, sound toys, whatever it is. What is uh, the Massive Passive thing, plugin that we said was pretty good? Uh, Native. Soft tube? Native instruments. Native instruments, yeah, yeah. yeah. Passive EQ. I think you forgot on an episode and I forgot on this episode. I did forget on an episode, yeah. I don't like the UAD one. I really don't, I don't think do it either. sounds that good. Hmm. And it's freaking small. Who wants a small, massive passive? You want it because it's massive. <laughs> anyway, if you hear the beat in the background, it's made by the one and only Sam Moses. If you wouldn't mind saying thank you so much for putting these episodes together and making them as great and fantastic as they always sound every single, I guess, other week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not every week. Um If you wouldn't mind doing that, I would greatly appreciate it because I'm constantly saying thank you at how awesome these things sound. Um, If you need a mastering engineer, I can be found at For the Record Mastering. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. Um, don't say you want to run You want the mix Run through the massive passive Anytime in my experience Anyone's ever been like Oh yeah You can hear the massive passive Chances are It wasn't run through The massive passive <laughs> That's just always Like a fun little guest thing But if you need A mastering engineer And if you want to hear What it sounds like Through a massive passive We can totally do that um, Please hit one of us up Uh, If you wouldn't mind leaving some likes, some stars, some comments, wherever you are located, wherever you are listening to this, we greatly appreciate it. Screenshot right now and post that screenshot to an Instagram story. And, uh, yeah, we'll share it and do any cross-marketing that um, may be mutually beneficial. If nothing else, we'll just say thanks for being an awesome (laughs) listener. And we really, really appreciate any time that y'all do that. So keep that up. Thank you so much. Yeah, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. We will see y'all in the next episode. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. Review over.